0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Hustle Middle East. Today we have Mquan with us. He is a content creator, YouTuber extraordinaire. Uh, he just uh, hit a hundred thousand subscribers a few weeks ago. So Mquan's um, here to tell us about his story, about how he got successful on YouTube. Uh, talk to us about some of his entrepreneurial ventures in the past in the UK. And uh, just tell us about how, um, how I think uh, content creators are the future of advertising. So, uh, <laughs> so hey, Anquan, thank you for being on the show
1: thank you very much for having me and that was a, a really glowing introduction as well so thank you very much for that
0: so before Mquan can introduce himself i just wanted to let you guys know that Mquan was one of my inspirations to start on youtube um you know when i first started car, i was looking for influencers to connect with to um you know uh Kind of market my product, get a little bit of PR out there. And when I was doing my research, I came across uh, Mquan's channel, and um, and I was quite inspired because he's he lives in Abu Dhabi, and uh, and he makes really cool content about tech thank and you. cars and and blogs and i think he's shifted his focus purely to tech now but at yeah. the time i was like oh this is so cool like if he can do it maybe i can <laughs> give, give it a shot as well in this region so That's yeah so well, uh if you can tell us a little bit about what you do and what made you decide to move to the middle east and and how this whole youtube thing started
1: so yeah um so my online name if you like pseudonym is mkwan uh, my real name is actually Mohsin, for those of you that might want to jump on Google and search it. Uh, save you some time. I'm based out here in Abu Dhabi. I'm, I consider myself a content creator and sort of internet addict, if you want to call it that. Um, I run two YouTube channels. Um, one I think you were talking about earlier on was more the vlog lifestyle kind of channel originally, uh, which was called Mquan Vlogs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have another YouTube channel, which has actually now become my main YouTube channel. It's just that um, it hit 100,000 subscribers, I think a couple of months back. So we're at 116,000 now, 115,000. And that's primarily around technology and and lifestyle reviews. Mm -hmm. So um, those are the two channels. And I, I, I mean, I create content on a weekly basis on YouTube. That's my main sort of platform. Um, so it's technology reviews and boxings, occasional vlogs that are related to that kind of genre. I cover watches. Uh, I cover cars. Cars not so much recently, just because the amount of work that's required uh, to to kind of film and get those reviews up. But I do cover them occasionally, and uh, yeah, that's the main sort of the main platform that I'm on. And then the other platforms are like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, right. Snapchat as well
0: yeah. how, how are you finding TikTok life? TikTok is
1: a massive learning curve It's a really interesting learning curve, but it, it reminds me of where it reminds me of where YouTube was when I first started experimenting years and years ago before these channels um, mm-hmm. and like we were talking about this briefly as well I used to wear a mask and just kind of like doing really weird stuff on the platform, just to understand it. TikTok right now gets kind of, people take the, you know, they joke about it and they think it's a platform that's only meant for sort of messing around and dancing. But there's a massive element of truth behind that at the moment, which is true of what people said about YouTube at one point, that it's only for silly videos and cat videos. Um, But, I mean, I, I've spoken to the guys at TikTok um, a couple of times and even my content, I, I don't even spend a lot of time on it, but I have put up experimented with content around technology, like unboxings, reviews done really quick behind really cool music or whatever, you know, the current trendy viral music. And the ch- I mean, the platform's grown. It's got now more followers than it has, than my Twitter has, for example. And I've been on oh, Twitter really? for i think 5 6 years if not longer um and and it's an interesting thing because tiktok has a completely different audience
2: right
1: and i think where i see tiktok going is in a sort of a, just a growth phase yeah. so i think it's one of those things that you know you, you can't be brand or you can't be platform loyal yeah. Otherwise, you will just sink. You know, so you have to experiment. It's fun. It's a different thing to try and experiment with, but yeah, TikTok Yeah,
0: I see. Um, do you think brands should be experimenting with marketing on TikTok, leveraging totally. TikTokers? Yeah,
1: I think because look, I see I mean, the numbers
0: yeah. on TikTok, it's insane. Like, like yeah. videos get millions of views. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is the short time span of every video so people can consume a lot more creators at the uh, you know at a much faster pace versus like something like youtube where you have to dedicate like five six minutes at least to a video and um but i think the other thing uh, things have changed so i mean you know
1: uh, i used to i I used to kind of dismiss snapchat years ago until Mm. i came out to the uae and then i noticed even people in the malls would be playing with the the cat and dog filters, yeah. you know, of various ages. And then you were like, oh, wow, this has to be something, you know? When in right. Rome do as the Romans yeah. do, that kind of thing. So I was like, oh, okay, Snapchat, you know? And I remember telling my friends in the UK at one point that I had Snapchat and they looked at me like, dude, you're not a 15 year old, you know? <laughs> so it's the same thing is now repeated with TikTok that I do yeah. see people kind of like, oh, that's embarrassing. I'm like, no, it's just tech unboxing on tiktok oh that's really different wow i didn't mm. think of that you know that kind of thing yeah. so it's i think brand i think marketing is marketing is is about you know uh, we've heard people like gary v talking about this is where the attention is yeah and if you look at what is on a lot of people's smartphones now be it ios or android a lot of people have tiktok so you yeah. must be doing something that you know is worth looking into
0: yeah, man. I mean, I like consuming TikTok a little bit, like just swiping through it. But I don't know, just not my kind of content to create. I guess. <laughs>
1: I think. Look, I mean, I, I, I might be I'm a sure the, Yeah, I'm sure the guys at TikTok won't mind me saying this as well But like, I was very surprised when they reached out to me because they were like, "We really like what you're doing here, and it's very unusual, and it's the kind of, it's the kind of content that, you know, we want to." we want to sort of help um, yeah. uh, in the region because they said that, you know, it, it seems like the opinion that TikTok has in the minds of people is that it's a time-wasting platform. Yeah. You know, you can't really do anything serious on it. Uh, and uh, and and the funny thing is um, I've been sort of looking for other content creators, more sort of serious content creators on TikTok. I found a whole range of, you know, people who like, really short, uh, quick um, food videos, for example, on TikTok within Mm -hmm. 30 seconds, but like really good quality ones, you know, it's well done. Yeah. Or it's enough to kind of make you do more research or go and click their links or whatever to find out, Um, you know, learning Arabic, for example, there was an account uh, uh, recently that I, I saw a couple of new words, in 15 seconds, you know, with the pronunciation, the meaning, I mean, it's a perfect kind of platform for that, you
0: know? Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, that's cool, man. So uh, getting back to your other story about wearing a mask, I know, when you yeah. started off YouTube, uh, you were anonymous behind a mask, and you were still doing yeah. tech reviews, but that's anonymously. Right. So what is the story with that? So the story
1: is, I mean, I had a a, a YouTube channel, originally that i started off years and years ago and this was before i came out to the middle east before i came out to the uae um this youtube channel was started off because at the time i was in a family sort of business so we'd started off i've got two other brothers and my dad is a, a a doctor and we started off a business using some of the Formulations. It was a, a it was a health food company that we started off. So it wasn't medicinal products. It was in the realm of healthy foods and and, and supplements, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things was when we started off, we had a small grant given to us by the Princess Trust. A very 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 small budget, really, by today's comparisons. I mean, I would burn through that in a month, you know, just <laughs> okay. a couple of things now. But, like, we had to maximize the marketing. And the problem that we had at the time was again, YouTube was really associated with cat videos and the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And this company was started off, and, you know, it was young people that started it off, but it was still tied to an older my dad. And there were a few other advisors that he had. And they were adamant that, look, we don't want you to market young on these platforms. And, and until we're a bit more comfortable about it. So I, I think what my dad did was he sent me on a wild goose chase. He said to me, look, you know, why don't you experiment? Because he knew that I was into tech and stuff like that. He said, why don't you do something yourself with the tech channel, you know, and learn the lessons from that, and then come and present your findings to us. It was kind of like a very formal sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was like, okay, cool, I might as well do that. So I set up a... A YouTube channel and at that time it was all about BlackBerry okay. and I did a, a lot of research around the first video to put up and it was, it was basically getting um, BBC iPlayer onto Blackberries using a hack that was available for iPhones that meant that you didn't have to kind of, at that time Blackberries, you know, you had the BlackBerry Bold I think you had yeah. a whole bunch of them so you had to use different software to get the screen size right but this hack just dealt with it almost on an automatic basis. I put the video up and I kind of left it and didn't expect anything from it. When I went back to it, it got like, I think 15,000 views. It was on crackberry.com.
0: Your first Um,
1: video? My first video, yeah. It was like, it was, you know, really, and it was a three part video. And then uh, I think BlackBerry reached out a couple of months later and Mm -hmm. they said, look, we want to use this for a development conference or whatever. Plus, uh, we want to give you a free BlackBerry. You know, we we want to sort of collaborate with you. And that was like a big deal, man. Yeah. And then slowly, you know, I started to get more into it. And, you know, I was looking at the branding, different fonts. What name should I choose? Uh, MQuan is a nickname that I've had from secondary school. And I kind of just stuck with that. Um, and then slowly as things started developing, one of the things that I was made aware of was people really wanted to know who I was because I never showed my face. So it was always my hands with a product really badly filmed, you know, (laughs) and, and people would be like, um, he's got such a good British accent, you know, like, Mm. is is he from the UK, but he's Brown. It was kind of like a weird thing because obviously they'd be looking at, you know, small signs. And then, um, somebody said to me, look, you should play with that, play with that kind of idea. So I don't know out of the, out of a really weird place I decided to put a mask on. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It was a really scary mask. I think it was an ice hockey mask that i spray painted. And it was a weird kind of experiment in, in branding myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did it partly because I think at that time I was a little shy of showing my face and the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But I also, I don't know because I had this persona offline of being like a, a new startup company, CEO, pretty much, you know, I was the director of this company. And then I don't know, it it didn't fit. So I kind of wanted to play with the branding, but also kind of like be anonymous, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And uh, it was really weird because it, it pushed the boundary slightly. If you had looked at me, and some of the videos are available online. They're quite hilarious when I look back (laughs) at them. Like I come across as such a, such a weirdo but then (laughs) when i start doing the review it's kind of like this is really odd because he's acting like a fool but he's pretty serious when it comes to the reviews so and and that just expanded and continued and then it got to a point where i just decided i need to take the mask off maybe it's the time for a new channel Mm -hmm. so i i kind of did that at that point um by that point i was collaborating with a lot more brands Mm. uh there were a lot more sort of companies reaching out you know everything from case makers mobile phone uh, case makers to nokia and the rest of it um mm-hmm. and it was a great lesson in marketing as well because some of those lessons i then later used on other startup uh, company ideas as well okay. um, for a while i had another company that i had set up with a friend of mine that was just around web design um okay. but what we did was it was really cheap, cheerful, using templates essentially, mm-hmm. um, which are very common now. But at that time, you had companies that needed a website, for example, but they didn't want to pay six, seven hundred pounds. So we would offer that to them for like two hundred, three hundred pounds. Right. Um, we got quite a few different companies doing this. I, I did the same thing. So you me. know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. my background sure, well, web development. So. Uh, so so, yeah. the same. Uh, freelance web web design gigs when exactly. internet was new. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And people would like see
1: these. I remember at that time we'd upsell by giving them a mobile-friendly website as well, so they we'd get a template that would you know allow. So you'd take the phone out. And at that at that time, I remember having the uh the iPad and like showing them on the iPad, and they were just wowed by it. So they were checking on their <laughs> clunky laptop and then seeing it on the iPad, checking it on. I don't know, an Android phone or an iPhone. It was quite impressive just to upsell by an extra, I don't know, 100 quid or something. Mm. So, I mean, th- there's was a whole range of different things I was experimenting with. Um, and then I got a call really out of the blue um, from someone that I, that was working here in the UAE. And he had recommended me for a posi- particular position here. And, and you know, he, he sort of told his manager, they reached out and they said, "Look, you know, we want to hire you for coming out to the UAE." And um, it was like a no-brainer at that time. I think, I think at that time, I was starting and helping to run three companies in total, okay. and all of them were kind of like startup, startup. One of them was semi-established, the web design company, but you know, it was still pretty much a startup situation. Right. Um, and then one of the companies we kind of sold, uh, this is me and my partner at that time, uh, that I was working with, it just got really kind of, I don't know. It, I I kind of felt like I was drained out. People said <laughs> to me as well, you're doing YouTube, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that. You know yeah. what's going on and then when I this know, job uh, came
0: exactly what you mean <laughs> I mean yeah. Listen, before we go, uh, move ahead uh, you said you sold a company What what is that company about
1: so the company was uh, uh, to do with to do with vouchers essentially this is a, at a time when Groupon was massive okay um, and it was a small website that uh, focused in on niche Muslim um, sort of coupon deals, essentially. Okay. So we would uh, go after smaller companies, smaller sort of businesses in a local area that dealt with Muslim-friendly services or products. So making sure that they were halal they were okay. Muslim-friendly in terms of Sharia-compliant, whatever. Uh, and that was sold in the UK. Yeah, in the okay. UK, again, it, it's a big deal in the UK. Yeah. Here it's kind of, um, you know, it's Adi sort of <laughs> thing. But uh, it, was a, it was a really interesting, experience really i think those did
0: you guys get a lot of traction Yeah, uh, it,
1: it wasn't much traction on the actual website in the company but it got the attention of certain other players in the market and okay. then i think part of the reason that they you know took it on was because of the fact that it was probably seen as perceived competition let's just buy it up and at that time you know yeah. a certain amount of money would have been like oh cool take it off our hands you know that <laughs> kind of thing we, we can focus on the next thing
0: yeah right so, um did you guys get an EPR and stuff out of that because that sounds like a interesting idea and like something like that press might be interested in
1: yeah there was i mean we really didn't at that time i think that happened closer to the time that i got offered the job here in the uae as well so it was kind of okay. like sign the deals kind of like hand it over let's take the money you know you go your (laughs) way I go my way yeah let's bounce you know let's, (laughs) let's spill one of those things but um I got the job out here in the UAE and it was it was such a weird experience because in some ways it's you know I was what I was offered in terms of the job just felt like winning the lottery in many ways you know the 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 amount of work at that time, I mean it was it was really crazy. I was working crazy hours. Mm-hmm. Uh I really didn't feel like in hindsight now when I look back at it, there were a lot of things that I was learning there. Um but at the time when you're in it, you just wonder like, is this really the entrepreneurial lifestyle? Is this the kind of <laughs> you know, Allen Sugar, uh Dragon's Den? Like, this is tough, man, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um tough, and and so, so yeah, it, it, it was almost a release for me. And then when I came out here, I think for about six months or so, I, I did absolutely nothing except my job. You know, I was just like completely 110% in it. Uh, I came out to Al Khaimah originally. And then that time I was, uh, you know, I, I, with my wife and we had a lot of family back home
2: mm-hmm
1: wanting to know what we were up to you know is how is it there is it safe you know all the kind of preconceived misconceptions that people have about the middle east yeah uh, and then we started vlogging uh, essentially we had uh, uh vlogs blogs was started off at that point right. we'd go out we'd eat you know we'd show kind of what it was like living in the U- uae as as new expats
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so it was quite interesting and then we started you know i i, I still had that kind of uh desire to review products, cars, whatever it might be. Right. So it started slowly putting that into it. And then it just grew from there then. Then that's where the second channel really took off.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So in my situation, um, like kind of similar, like I wanted to promote my business. So I started looking at like, how are people getting views organically? How can I reach more people without spending a lot of money, right? So, exactly. um, so then I, I started looking on YouTube to see what is popular here and of course I came up on like more vlogs and stuff and and you guys and I thought uh, you know this is an interesting way to reach more people that's not going to be super expensive for me but like obviously there's an audience for it right so uh, that's why I started creating more content about um, living in Dubai and and uh, how it is to live here how much it costs to live here and um, those kind of things. And because I grew up in Dubai, I kind of have have a different perspective. Like I've, exactly. uh, I have so much life experience living here for so many years. So yeah. I think I was able to bring that but then again, my, my personal passions started coming into it. And I started like reviewing cars and tech and the same kind of thing, you know. So yeah, yeah.
1: I think YouTube is an interesting place. Because, you know, people ask me, why did you stop blogging? And and i I say this to quite publicly now, I think where we are in twenty twenty across multiple social media platforms it's all about the algorithm
2: mm-hmm.
1: so one of the one of the things that I recognized quite quickly was uh, vlogging was gonna burn me out mm-hmm. or it was gonna kind of make me a jack of all trades and master absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some absolutely uh, successful bloggers here right. in the Middle East. Um, but there are very, very few. I yeah. mean, I, I would say Mo Vlogs is probably the only one who's actually made it. If you look at, um, worldwide, uh, most vloggers. I mean, if you look at the people that are blogging now, it's yeah. really just one, you know, it's a very small percentage that actually make it to the position where they're known for that. Um, right. and I, and, and that was one of the reasons why I remember somebody was talking to me and, and they were asking for some smartphone advice because they knew that I, in the past, used, used to cover phones. And, and I remember he said to me, dude, why, the, why, why aren't you doing more of this? Mm-hmm. Like you sp- spoke to me for half an hour about tech and I understood it perfectly. He says, mm-hmm. I really don't feel like blogging is you. You know, he says like, it, it, he says that, you know, it doesn't kind of fit with the person that I know and i remember at that point thinking to myself actually that's a that's a fair point perhaps i need to i need to niche in into something you know yeah um and i think that decision i mean i had mquan um reviews channel for a number of years but i really think it was in the last 24 months 18 to 24 months when i really just zoned in and essentially stopped vlogging on the other channel um to focus in on that that it's developed that niche now if you'd asked somebody, let's say three years ago, EmQuan, what do you what are the words that you associate with EmQuan? It would have been vlogger, Dubai, mm-hmm. expat, that kind of stuff. Um, but now, I hope most people would say tech right. reviews, yeah. watches, which is perfectly fine for me. It all fits into that. Right. So I think it's really important, um, and you know, I, I know that your podcast is around uh, startups, the hustle mm-hmm. culture. I think it's really, really important even talking to you now about some of the experiences that I had in the past, one of the things that I feel incredibly passionate about now is, is that you have to drown out the noise, figure out your niche and really drill down on that. Because yeah. in this day and age, it's so easy to get sucked in to the multiple platforms yeah. um, and experiment with everything. But if you're doing everything, then you're just it's just like the rest of the wave you know
0: yeah there is
1: nothing that sets you apart
0: so i think that's a mistake that i made personally on my youtube channel um is that i have too many verticals like i talk about i do vlogs i do tech i do cars like it's like kind of all over the place and like people subscribe to me for different reasons and then when like the youtube algorithm sees that oh okay this person subscribed but they haven't watched any of his videos for the last like month because you know then they stopped recommending your video and then your views dry up yeah. so um i realized that and i and i see the value of niching down so like that's why when we started startup in the middle east we kind of wanted to keep it focused uh, mainly on entrepreneurship and i think uh, and and you know people um, who are you know doing something creating something uh whether it be products or youtube channels or or you know around this space of uh of, of of creating things and um and sharing that information so we thought that you know if we keep it niche uh first of all the kind of the the monetization aspects of it increase because uh like as an advertiser you know that okay everybody who is listening to this podcast or every pot- potential person who is watching this video is probably interested in this kind of thing you know so so for example somebody wanted to uh, you know advertise on your channel they know people love tech they they come to mquant so yeah. uh, or people love watches, i think the, uh,
1: the, the important thing here is like on the one hand sometimes I kind of wish like I could just talk about other stuff as well because I'm not only into tech, you know, I'm, I'm not just this one mono kind of character um, yeah. to the point where some, to the point where being totally honest, I, I tweet and then I have to take down those tweets because they're either political or they're kind of slightly yeah. too spiritual okay. or they can kind of not, they don't fit into the overall branding element of what M Quan as a brand is and has become. Okay. Uh, and sometimes I do that myself, and other times, you know, because uh, I'm part of an agency, they they will remind me. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> stick to stick to the subject, you know. And I'm grateful okay. for that uh, for um, for that from them because I think it's really important to do that. The downside of that is that you do start to feel kind of like you Boxt you in. you can start to feel boxed in. Um, I think it's really important to figure out why you're doing it and what you're going to do. I mean, talking about the why is really important because if it's a hobby for you,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, had I not done the vlogging and had I not done like cars and, and, you know, experimenting with watches and this, that, the other, I wouldn't know where my niche would be. I wouldn't know what kind of seems to work, you know? So it's perfectly fine to do that, but I think there does come a point at which you have to figure out if you're doing it purely because you just enjoy the creative element of you know, filming, editing, putting it out there, yeah. that's perfectly fine. You can you can do whatever you want. I think it is important to do stuff that makes you happy. Yeah. Um, but it, I feel like the algorithms across the platforms have got to a stage now where... They will reward the them. I mean yeah. the, if you niche in that's going to be an automatic kind of situation where you'll win
0: yeah, I think it's more about like people know what to expect, right yeah. uh, if you're throwing them curveballs left, right and center with your content, it's difficult to keep their attention yeah so let's talk about something that might be interesting to our um listeners is about how uh entrepreneurs can potentially leverage social media for you know growing their brands or or spreading the word about their product Uh, do you what do you think about that being on the other side on the content creation side
1: yeah i mean I, i i think brands especially for startups now i think it's really important for them to to explore what they're already doing which is spending time on social media platforms, Mm -hmm. figuring out, you know, what social media platforms are relevant in the market that they're aiming to either sell in or market in or whatever it might be. And also think about what is relevant in the region. So for example, I mean, when I first got here, Snapchat in, in the UK, in my circle of friends, Snapchat was associated essentially with 15 year olds or guys who are looking for basically something on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, But here in this market, I mean, Snapchat is taken in a completely different light. It's a much more serious platform to the point that even now, my my content that I put out on Snapchat is pretty much copy and paste from Instagram, which isn't the best thing to do, but I do that. Um, But still here amongst, let's say, local Emiratis, Mm -hmm. Snapchat is phenomenal. Like it's still a great platform to focus on. TikTok, like we were talking about earlier on, yeah. gives you an access to, let's say, um, a certain demographic, those that come from the uh, Indian subcontinent, in uh, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, not only that, but also a demographic which tends to be younger that comes from, let's say, the US or even Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a platform to explore and consider over there. And I think, especially on a startup level, I, I'm just thinking back to, you know, some of the experiences that I had. Mm-hmm. Time is of an absolute essence. And I think one of the problems with, one of the problems with when you're starting up is trying to deal with the fact that you only have a certain amount of time to do the basic stuff that needs to keep your project running. Right. Uh, you know, dealing with clients, making money, the whole paperwork shebang and the rest of it um but also being able to market at the same time so you have to be really strict with that time Mm -hmm. um and i remember when we started off originally the family business uh with my brothers we would actually have two hours in the day when collectively we were doing stuff on social media so if that meant just researching hashtags Mm -hmm. responding to people um you know just kind of Interacting with people, following people, unfollowing people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, engaging in conversations without being too kind of, hey, check our product out. But just like, you know, responding to a comment. Oh, that's interesting. Trying to get like an organic conversation going. I think entrepreneurs should consider that. Um, And then, you know, social media has changed a great deal. So documenting is incredibly powerful.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I know in this part of the world, uh, there's a kind of, it's very there's a slight, I don't know if it's a, a negative, but it's not perceived in the most positive light when you are honest and candid about documenting your journey, particularly your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, But I think things are changing and I think people can respect and admire more of the honesty, particularly when you just turn on your camera without the need of hiring someone else to do the filming for you You don't need a glossy video for example and just saying look we've got this new product out this is the rough procedure process i'm going to take you on a vlog with me now i'll show you the issues that i have with the printer with the designer with you know the the i don't know the painter whoever um and that can be incredibly empowering and the thing is social media is a great narrative tool yes um and that is something that you must remember as an entrepreneur, as a startup, that you essentially have a loudspeaker. And the skill here is to put out a convincing enough narrative. Yeah. And for so that, you don't need to gloss it over. You can be completely honest and say, look, this is our journey. We'd love yeah. for you to come and join us on our journey.
0: In fact, um, I think that works better versus the glossy thing, you know, because people see through. Um, This uh, facade and uh, I think when you're real, uh, people connect with that more. Um, In fact, today I was listening to an interview um, on another podcast uh, about the founder of Fitbit and like how they started Fitbit and like how they launched it at TechCrunch and with a prototype and then they received Like they were expecting about 50 pre-orders for it. This is the first Fitbit that ever came out. And they received like 2,000, you know, uh, pre-orders for it. And then eventually it came up to 25,000 pre-orders before they had even prototyped the product, like the final product. But he was like, uh, then what we started doing is blogging about the process and keeping all our pre-orders, all the people who pre-ordered informed. And they were one of the first companies to do that. Uh, now it's quite common you see a lot of indiegogos and like yeah you know these uh, kickstarters and stuff blogging about their progress but that was pretty in- innovative then and that kept the yeah. fitbit community hooked and then when they finally launched like people were so excited about it because they they knew the whole journey of the product so that yeah. was uh, no, i mean that's cool a
1: thing. that's a great example that's you know essentially uh,
0: it, it there's
1: an element of um a human touch, social media. And this is, you know, I've had this discussion with other people before I did a podcast with Esquire magazine and they asked me, they said, why is it that let's say, uh, when it comes to tech, why is it that a publication like GQ or Esquire magazine will never get the amount of hits or views never, as yeah. MKBHD or MQA? And I said, the reason is that social media is the first hint is in the social element. There has to be a personable element to it to the point where, and I'm not sure how many of your uh, listeners or you know, uh, people that are listening to this at the moment mm-hmm. will have seen my channel. One of the things that gets criticized on my channel is dude, you need to invest in a better camera. <laughs> like what is this shaky business? I do that on purpose. Okay. Because I, like, I, with all the respect that I have for someone like MKBHD or anybody else, yeah. his content is great, but the thing is, when your when your video quality is so you know glossy and perfect yeah there's a fine line and I, I believe this because i do this all the time if there is a review that i'm checking out for a product i'm much rather the dude that's filming with one hand well <laughs> guys just give me a second let me open this up because there's a, there's an element of truth behind that there's an element of kind of it feels much more genuine you know so long as you know it's viewable and i can hear the sounds and stuff like that (laughs) so there's a reason why i might not use a tripod even though i've got like three tripods lying around because i I want it to be you know an element of truth to the point that you know when i purchased the before this i was using like the canon g7x for a tech review channel which is people say to me like i i turn up to events and everyone's got their like you know, A7 and the rest of it. And I pull out this Canon G7X Mark II or Mark III, and people are like, "Dude, are you for real?" I'm like, "Yeah." Like, dude, but honestly, it's a
0: it's a brilliant camera. I think for the first two years of YouTube, I just used g 7 yeah. G7X. It's just a great G7X is, is 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 remarkable. But here's the
1: interesting thing now: like, I've done a couple of videos that I filmed entirely on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one video that I filmed on was it oh, before, the iPhone I've done,
0: Pro? Has better video. The Eleven Pro,
1: G Seven X is ins is insane. Like it's, but here's the thing. Like most entrepreneurs, most people who are starting up in business, these are the ways that you can cut down.
0: Yeah,
1: you buy your phone, which is expensive, but you know you're gonna buy it anyway. Yeah, um, you download, let's say, iMovie for absolutely free. You film. Yeah you cut you edit all on this thing like it's insane and if you're an android user even the p40 pro or you know let's say i don't know the samsung galaxy s20 yeah like the the video quality is just as good you just film if you don't want to edit you don't have time to edit just literally do one take upload sort of thing you know
0: um um, so speaking that of this, to... by the way, there was another thing that I wanted to talk about from my personal experience with Ajar car. So we were, um, so Ajar Car, if you don't know, uh, I think you probably don't know, but Ajar Car is a car rental um, platform. So we're a marketplace. We allow small to medium-sized car rental companies to go online. Basically, we provide them with the booking engine uh, where they can register their cars and then we, we put it on Ajar Car as a marketplace. So uh, we were trying to recruit more people to come on the platform, right? So we we sent them emailers, we sent them like nice fancy PDFs. We had like a YouTube video where like it went through the whole backend process of how to register, how, how to do all this stuff. But we got very very little response from any of those, mm. you know, try uh, types of mediums. Then I recorded one video where it was me talking to a camera like this and explaining what a Jarkar is and just talking about what we're trying to do and how it's gonna benefit them and how it's gonna benefit us. And there was like a 300% increase in the amount of responses we got on that one video versus all the previous marketing that we did. So I think you know having that personal touch really does yeah. make a difference.
1: It makes a massive difference. It's 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 insane. I I feel really upset and sad sometimes <laughs> when like I get an email come in, you know, and I don't even look at it. I just because I I can I can see from the heading and I can see from just the the first line that, that it's basically spam. <laughs> it's spam and it's just wipe goodbye. You know, got to keep yeah. that inbox inbox at zero. You know, so <laughs> so unless it's really yeah. important, I mean, yeah.
0: yeah Yeah, i think email has become very poor just because of the amount of noise on that platform is just it's just it's a great way to communicate and keep in touch with teams and stuff like that but it's not a very good way to market i don't think anymore even though it's super cheap to market with email but it's not very effective i don't think i think the only way it's effective is if you're trying to re-reach a customer who is booked from you before or something like that but even then like our conversion rate on emails has been pretty low. So last thing, before we wind this up, I just wanna ask you, what do you think about brands reaching out to influencers and content creators such as yourself to, to market themselves? I, I think- uh, and, and also how look, do you think it's different from traditional advertising? Uh,
1: look, I think at the moment, this is a really weird gray area. Um, as someone who is a content creator, I've seen, particularly in the UAE, I've seen a massive sort of dislike for influencers. Here's the weird thing. I don't consider myself to be an influencer. Okay. Um, like even when people refer to me as an influencer, I, I try and kind of just remind them I'm a content creator. The word influencer is so heavy with a, a ton of baggage. Like it's yeah. even before the negative connotations that it's kind of conjured up in the mind. Influencer, just just by the mere word influencer, it sort of gives you the, uh, the the impression that that person has some kind of level of influence. And the, the truth and reality is we're all influencers because if you buy a good product, you tell your mother about it, yeah. you suddenly become an influencer. I mean, in, in to the core, if we're gonna get into like the, the word definition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in this market, one of the things that I've noticed is there's a massive amount of dislike. Mistrust, almost like a professional, uh, just absolute hate towards influencers. Yeah. Um, part of that, in my view, is coming from people or individuals that hate the fact that there might be influencers who who are doing better than them and do it <laughs> part time, let's say, I and mean, that's the truth. That is the truth. Uh, you know, you have let's say a tech journalist who spent what, five, six years, 10 years of their lives working for multiple publications, um, but has never built up their own personal brand, never been right. allowed to, never built that up. Here comes someone that does it part-time as a hobby mm-hmm. and gets much more traction than they do to the right. point where brands are now skipping the publication and going straight to a YouTuber or a content creator or an influencer to give them hands on with a smartphone before it's launched to the main media.
0: Right,
1: That's a horrible feeling. Like who the F is this dude? Like he doesn't know a thing about, you know, like what's up with his hair? What's up with this? What's up with that? <laughs> so I think, I think there's an, there is an element of that, which I don't like because the truth is at the end of the day, like we're all in this hustle together. Right. If you really feel that you have better qualifications and better capabilities, prove it. It's a free market. Set up your own YouTube channel and realize just how hard it is to do that. Yeah. There is another group you know, of, of people that completely dislike influencers because influencers have acted like absolute idiots. <laughs> so you know, they, they'll be the type of people that will send you know, messages to a restaurant you know, you're gonna invite us, you're gonna, you you know, we're not gonna pay for the food, we're gonna give you free coverage, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I I can say in some of those situations, some of those scenarios, it's a fair kind of dig to have the influencers.
0: Right. But
1: I think the important thing to recognize for a startup and for a company is that content creators, influencers are definitely, Uh, people at the moment that have some level of um, you know influence reach, uh, to use a reach you know uh, over a certain audience and I think what brands and agencies need to do is that they need to be selective in that I think over 2019 and I think in 2020 now as well we're getting more and more brands who are less interested in advertising, working, collaborating with guys with multi-million followers, mm-hmm. and focusing on people with a niche now, yeah. because they recognize that sometimes you know you can have five to ten million, let's say, subscribers, but the the, the numbers don't really matter if it doesn't fit with the demographic of your desired you know yes. um, customer base. So in those cases, I think, especially coming back to startups, you know, you've got limited resources. Think about the people that you already consume content from Mm -hmm. that you kind of know that you kind of have seen and trust on your social media feeds, reach out to them and, and sort of open a dialogue, see what it is that you can offer them, what it is that they're asking for. I mean, I think on one hand here in the UAE, some of the some of the pricing that content creators charge mm-hmm. uh, is very very little compared to massive publications that you would pay. You know, I agree. Sometimes double, triple. You know, yeah. I mean, you've done this already. You know, I mean, th- th- yeah. that sometimes like I have I have these discussions with agencies or brands that approach me and they say that we're we're not sure this that the I told them look you know. Go away, you do your research. You know, I shouldn't be doing your research for you, you should be doing your own research. What I'm offering you is XYZ, mm-hmm. and then you can break down what the perceived ROI might be. Right. Um, you know, it, if you're publicizing in a said magazine, how many times is that said magazine A going to be read from cover to cover? Right. And B, how many, you know, or what's the total reach that it's going to mm-hmm. give you? Forget about impressions for a moment but the total reach, how many people are actually going to engage in that article or that, you know, the adverts of yours that you're going to put in that publication and compare it with what you're being offered online. I think in some ways, what content creators in this part of the world, particularly niche content creators. So I'm talking about the guys that haven't got millions and millions of subscribers. Yeah. um, What they're offering is quite competitive. Some influencers, content creators will take your stuff for free and then we'll give an output. And again, you have to decide whether or not that's worth it. Yeah. Um, others uh, might charge you, and and you need to take that on a on a case by case basis. But it's definitely worth considering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in my experience, I worked with uh, maybe ten or fifteen different influencers for Jar Car, and. Every time we've gone with traditional media versus influencers. And the thing is with influencers, a lot of the times because of me being on YouTube as well, it generally ten- uh, ends up being a barter deal for me, where I give them a free car for a day, yeah. a nice car maybe. And, um, and in return, they'll make a video for me that gives me video content that I can use for jar car, for my Instagram, for my Facebook, for creating a blog post, um, you know, it, it it gives me reach to their audience. It might be tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, potentially. Every time we've done an influencer campaign of any kind, I, I wouldn't even call it a campaign. It's just like a friend doing a, me a favor. Uh, yeah. uh, it's resulted in uh, my website hits going through the roof. Uh, people searching more for my brand on Google. Um, you know, so as compared to like, we've tried magazines, we've tried a little bit of radio, um, even Google search, it's extremely important for us. Cause I mean, that's, uh, yeah. but the amount of money that you spend for Google search, usually the ROI on it doesn't make sense. You know, uh, yeah. it's more of a, just to get your foot, uh, in the door, kind of get the ball rolling yeah. kind of thing uh but if you look at it long term unless you have crazy lifetime value on your deals uh, on each transaction um generally google's not going to make sense for your business Uh, i think a lot of people a lot lot of entrepreneurs think oh i'm going to create my product i'm going to buy a bunch of google adwords and uh, and that that equation is going to make sense but it usually doesn't work that way so Mm. and, this, and the other point is, I mean, like, you know, major brands,
1: you know, will work with influencers
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, regardless what you hear on Twitter or anywhere else. I mean, major, major brands. We're talking, I mean, in, in the tech field, look at yeah. Huawei. I mean, who doesn't, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't promote a Huawei product? You know, people yeah. who are not even in the tech, you know, arena or area are sort of um being paid to promote huawei products you look at what apple does where they put their products in whose hands they're putting their airpods or you know the apple watch and so on and so forth yeah Uh, so major brands are doing this already um and i think it's it's kind of a little ignorant and arrogant in some ways to kind of dismiss influencer marketing completely based on you know sort of other people's bad experience i think yeah. you have to you have to do your research even people that i for I'm example sure. i get asked to do podcasts right i mm-hmm. mean i have to select the people that i'm going to be giving my time to like oh, i, thank I you genuinely thank you i no, i mean like it's <laughs> it's one of those things I, i've known you, you you know we've spoken about this for a while i've listened to some of your stuff yeah. you know i've i've seen your videos your youtube videos online as well so for me like it's i i've done my own research so I'm not spending any money doing this but if I was to spend money or was to give products away I think you'd mm-hmm. be foolish just to assume just because somebody else recommended somebody else as an influencer to collaborate yeah. with you have to do your own research you know you have to do Yeah
0: that. I agree you know? and uh, and we've worked with some influencers before that didn't really fit our niche and that didn't work so well, you know. So yeah. uh, you really need to, like, for us, for example, if they're car influencers, then that's going to work better than if I work with a tech influencer, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes I might just do it because uh, I have the resources to do it, and I'm just, you know, using yeah. it for word of mouth or whatever. Yeah. But um, but overall, is this, feels- this- Huh? Is this your subtle way of asking me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if you ever want a car from a jar car, let me know. Once <laughs> thing, I know. Uh, I know, man.
1: <laughs> Inshallah. I'm sure we will, man.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. So before we end this podcast, I just wanted to ask you we ask all our guests if you had any piece of advice for anybody, entrepreneurs, what uh, would it be? Oh,
1: I think. Uh, right now what i feel is so important is is learn to be patient like it's like patience is so important in any field mm-hmm. um and i think part of the problem particularly as somebody who's online and i'm sure you know many other people are also online connected or online there's this element of go 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 you got to get it done now 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 yesterday yesterday but mm-hmm. just be patient with the whole journey um because patience will give you that breathing space it will give you the ability to think the ability to you know think in a rational way in a sensible way in a you know in a sustainable way as well so just patience is really important
0: yeah. absolutely agree man thank you for being on the show um, thank you very much man so uh this sorry podcast, it's taken so long man. sorry it's <laughs> taken so long <laughs> no worries man at least we got you on the show finally yeah. so um this by the way this podcast is available on all the podcast platforms So if you guys want to hear it on uh apple Podcasts or google Podcasts, it's available everywhere uh we also do have a video version of this on youtube so if you guys want to go check that out i leave a link in the description uh, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform because that helps us spread the word. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. Keep on asking.